welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. Our next guest on the ABCA podcast is David Franco. David's in his fourth season as the mental skills coach for the Seattle Mariners. He works with AAA players down to rookie ball and also covers the Dominican team for the Mariners. Collegiately, he played baseball at Miami of Ohio for Tracy Smith. He and I met in 2012 at the ABCA Anaheim convention after he started the company Next Level Ball Player. In this episode, we discuss a variety of different topics, when and where to start mental skills, the funnel of peak performance, recommendations on how youth players can implement mental skills, preparing for moments, books and podcast recommendations, intermittent fasting, and he tells great stories on Braden Bishop and Chase Headley. Let's welcome David Franco to the podcast. Uh, Welcome to the show, David. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and um, yeah, I've enjoyed our talks over the years, and I think the first time we met was 2012 at the the Anaheim convention. What has your experience been at, at the ABCA convention, and just anything that you can bring as far as all your experiences with the convention? Man, I think I've probably been to 10 out of the last 11, something along those lines, um, and it's just kind of become a staple for me as a great time to continue the learning process as well as obviously network and catch up with with friends all throughout the baseball world yeah it's it's been uh, it's funny thinking back at all the all the years and and all the relationships that have developed from that uh so it's kind of it's kind of fun to come full circle and be up on the stage at this at this abca and i saw you last year with spencer allen um in dallas and uh, it's amazing to me what baseball the relationships that you develop over the years it's just it, it's so unique to me with the baseball world. I think we're we're the only world that's like that in sports. I think guys are, are really willing to give back. And I'm really excited about the, the youth stage guys that we have lined up because I think you guys are going to hit it out of the park. Uh, and that's really what I wanted to talk to you about is your, your youth stage speech. Uh, you know, and you start with using mental skills to create consistent ball players. What is your definition of a consistent ball player? So obviously as coaches, that's that's what we want. That's the goal. We want to know what we can expect from the players that we're putting out on the field. I remember one of the first things that I was able to do when I got hired by the Seattle Mariners was sit down with with Scott Service, just kind of pick his brain on what he's looking for when he calls up our minor league players to the big leagues. And he was very clear when he said, I want to know that I can trust them. You know, I want to know what I'm going to get out of them when I, when I put them out on the on the baseball field. And I mean, I think that's the same for coaches everywhere so you want to know what you're going to get out of your guys the best definition that that we use for mental skills in my opinion is thinking about the right thing at the right time how can we get our guys to think about the right thing at the right time because if they're doing that then they're going to put themselves in the best position to succeed doesn't mean they're always going to succeed obviously but it's going to give them the best chance to be consistent you can't see my hands right now but you know if you if you think about the huge uh, roller coaster drop. Uh, most of the players that you see, especially at the youth level, their their performance tends to follow that type of very high, very low, very high, very low. 
how can we get that to be a little more consistent uh, kiddie roller coaster, so to speak? And when they start to think about the wrong things, what are some of the skills that you're working with with guys on that to try to get them back in the right frame of mind? You know, when things do start to get sidetracked for guys, what are the, some of the things that you're working with them to, to get them back? Sure. So to start, it's really important to have a core routine. We talk, we call it the funnel with the mirrors. You have on average at the big league level, you have about 15 seconds in between every pitch. What you do with those 15 seconds and how well you control those 15 seconds with your mind is going to determine how prepared you are to execute that pitch if you're on the mound or be ready to you know hit that pitch in the batter's box at the end of those 15 seconds it's usually it's probably a smaller number for the at the younger level at the lower levels of baseball but having a home base is a, is the best place to start place to start so if you have a consistent routine then even when things aren't necessarily going your way you have some place to to get back to and I'll just I'll just break that down there's generally four components of that funnel that most guys end up using the guys that do it effectively everyone does it a little bit differently but the whole goal is to get to the end of your funnel where you're essentially com- you know completely committed to this pitch if I'm on the mound or com- completely committed to my plan at the plate for this specific pitch so most players in that funnel will learn something to start whether it's as simple as, wow, that fastball had this type of movement or, or oh, that was a pass ball. Now we got a runner on second base with, uh, with nobody out. Maybe that's going to change my plan or my, or my approach for this, for this at-bat. So learn something. And then it's getting control of your mind and body. And this is where when you're watching big league games, you'll see a lot of guys use the breath for this. That's how you get control of your mind and body. And this is a big part of you know, your original question about how guys can regroup. Your breath is an absolutely powerful, powerful weapon in those situations. You know, generally when things are speeding up on us, our heart rate is speeding up on us, and that in turn gets our mind speeding up on us, and both of those are, you know, correlated pretty closely. Taking a deep breath and being in the moment is an absolute, very effective way to slow down both your mind and your body and get control. So once you have that control, then it's a matter of having a specific plan for this pitch. Uh, a lot of times players can overcomplicate that or they get caught in between plans or they don't really have a firm plan or we all know what it feels like, everyone that's played of being in the batter's box and just being ready to hunt that fastball, but then being like, oh man, but if he throws that hanging breaking ball, I, you know, I'm gonna crush that thing too, but actually his change was not that good too, so if I see that change up, I'm gonna stay back on it. And the next thing you know, that fastball that you originally were looking for is by you. <clears throat> so having a specific plan and, and Having a specific plan for a pitcher is specifically executing this pitch. It's not, I need a strikeout. It's not, I need, um, there can be a lot of, it's not, don't walk this guy. It is, what does executing this pitch mean? If it's a get me over breaking ball early in the count, then executing this pitch means throwing my breaking ball for a strike. If it's 0-2 and I'm trying to, uh, you know, get him to chase, then executing this pitch is bearing my breaking ball behind home plate, whatever the case may be for that specific pitch. So having a specific plan and being all in on that plan, there is no plan B. And that's where, and that's where you have to be willing to lose with your plan. A lot of guys get caught up with, oh man, you know, it didn't work that first pitch. First pitch I was sitting fastball and I 
got a breaking ball for strike one. Now all of a sudden I'm going to completely abandon everything that I that I originally wanted to do in this at bat, and now I'm just going to sit breaking ball. Having a specific plan that makes sense, being able to regroup, and then that la- the last part of the funnel is just fully committing to your plan. And this is this is huge. So a lot, guys do it different ways. Um, some guys use self talk. That's not my favorite. But it can, you know, it can be effective, um, in my opinion, more so for pitchers than than hitters. So whether it's a let's go hit it if you can, guys get creative with with what fires them up there and that commitment. I've found uh, with especially with some younger guys that can't that have a hard time throwing strikes is pitch and location before they execute their pitch. You know, so a fastball away or fastball middle or breaking ball middle just to get them focused on that next pitch. Um, and, and that's not something that you have to do with a lot of guys, but when guys get sideways with their command, I, I found, especially with some of the younger guys that I worked with, that was a way to, to, for them to execute in the bullpen first and then execute with their throwing program, flat ground stuff. And then they were able to, to take that into the games with them. If they got sideways, I think that was some easy thing. Again, you don't do that with everybody, but if a guy's not throwing strikes at all, how can you get them back? And that was one thing, pitch location, that that I felt like helped a lot of guys that were having issues with throwing strikes. Absolutely. Hey, and then when, the other, go ahead. No, go ahead. The the, the, la- the last one that I'll just say for a commit that I think is probably the most powerful is some form of visualizing what you're about to do. Yep. So seeing yourself executing the pitch before you before you do it. Um, we've even had there's been some some guys I've worked with who they will almost see like that golf tracker line, you know, yep. when you're watching the the drive and the golf channel and that the tail behind the ball, they'll see that, they'll see the movement before they throw it. And you know, we all know how this game's never easy, but it's it's easier when we feel good and we have that confidence and everyone can think back to those outings where, you know, as a pitcher, I was putting the ball wherever I wanted to. And so I was seeing myself execute the pitch because I, I executed it and then I was confident on that next pitch. Or you, as a batter, you have a first at bat, you smoke a double in the gap. That second at bat, you cannot wait to get in the batter's box and you're just praying that the same pitcher's on the mound. Visualizing and and being able to see ourselves execute, you know, our plan or have success before we do it is just another form of almost tricking our minds, regardless of what that last pitch was, regardless of what that last at bat was. We're putting ourselves in that mindset of I'm ready to hit smoke a double in the gap right now. I'm ready to execute this fastball. When and where are you starting to introduce this with your guys? Is like immediately, like as soon as they show up, you know, again, maybe after guys drafted or in spring training. When are you starting to implement this stuff? You know, when and and where are you implementing this? Are you going right onto the field with it? Are you doing classroom sessions with it? You know, how are you introducing the the mental skills, peak performance side of it with guys? Yeah, it's kind of a a multi-prong approach, I guess. We definitely do a lot of classroom work. Then that filters into a lot of one-on-one time and conversations and then building some of these things into practice. It's just like any other skill. It's not something that we practice and put guys and hold them accountable to doing in their preparation. Then expecting that to show up in the game is kind of ridiculous from from the coaching standpoint. And I always, you know, we would go to breathing. You know, that, that's the foundation for everything. <clears throat> yeah. But you have guys that have never done it. How how much and and how are you reminding guys? to stay with their breathing routines, you know, cause you're going to see it, you know, when they're not doing it, 
how do you address that with guys when they're not going through their routines? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, first of all, I think it's the more we can explain to our players that, like you said, like you can see it from the dugout. And sure. anytime the game starts speeding up on on our, you know, pitchers especially, it's almost almost always their breath becomes you a can, lot shorter. Yeah, you can that see day, them hyperventilate. That, you can see them hyperventilate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and even at even at the high levels. And so just, you know, it goes back to one of your questions earlier about how to refocus and and where when that when we start feeling the game speed up as a player where do i go back to and that breath that routine or some sort of like reset which is kind of you know the step off the mound the pick up the grass the spit the you know whatever whatever guy wants to do to kind of relock it in and then get back committed to the breath but to your um you know to your point earlier breathing needs to be part of what they do when they when they reset in practice and so if we're not challenging them in practice uh to the point where they're failing so they have to get back to their breath they have to figure out ways to learn how to lock it back in then it's going to be really hard for that they're just going to be learning in the game which is yeah. a lot harder to do yeah and i think that's where you're seeing it it it, it, it has advanced from a training side is that the random and is randomization of training has gotten better. I think that's where baseball coaches at every level are getting much better with the randomization of training and then helping players try to stay away from that fight or flight. Yeah. Once they get into the fight or flight, they, you're not going to be able to get out of it. So, you know, obviously your job as a coach is to help them stay away from getting into fight or flight because all bets are off once they get into fight or flight. You know, and, and that's part of your speech, you know, you know, why things go wrong. You know, you, you see it all the time. Why do things go wrong for guys? Um, yeah, a lot of it has to do with them not having the proper tools and toolbox, you know, to deal with the natural failure and the and the hard parts of, of the game of baseball. That's why I think it's really beneficial, and I get to do this with a lot of our players, is sitting down and from their from their words what tripped you up what are the traps we call them traps what are the traps that that historically have gotten you out of the moment that have gotten you kind of sped up a little bit you know it can be anything from an umpire feeling like an umpire squeezing me to i'm cruising and then there's an air behind me or a hitter you know i'm feeling good and then i i miss i miss my pitch or umpire makes a bad call whatever the case may be you know a lot of guys will you know put too much emphasis on their first at bat and if i have a good at bat then i'm gonna have a good day if i have a poor at bat oh boy here we go um so once once you can identify the traps then we can put together a strategic toolbox to handle those things and to almost prepare for those moments uh one of the one of the big things that I've learned in the last couple of years came from one of our players, Braden Bishop, who made his big league debut with us last year. Um, absolute stud of a person and a, and a great baseball player, obviously, as well. But it was something he made a big a, a big jump a few years back in the minor leagues. And um, I just noticed he was different. I was I was with him in town with our uh, with our high A team in Modesto. And I'm like, Bish, like, what do you got, man? What's uh, what's different? He's like, Franco, I just figured out that uh, just completely revamped my perspective. He said, I, I figured out that 
I need to accept ahead of time that things are going to go my way. Not not expect them not to go my way. I just accept that before the season even started, I'm I've already accepted the fact that I'm going to strike out. The umpire's gonna gonna make bad calls. I'm gonna hit the ball right on the screws, and guys are gonna make plays. Like they're gonna rob me of hits. All this, I'm not gonna feel. There are gonna be days where I don't feel good. I've already accepted that. So when it happens, I can just completely move right. You know, move on to the next at bat. And uh, and it's such a powerful perspective of teaching our players just to, hey, guess what? This you know one of the traps is umpires making bad calls. Well, that's going to happen. I can guarantee you're going to deal with that this upcoming season, probably this next upcoming start. So if that's the case, let's just work on our perspective ahead of time so that when those things happen, it's not it doesn't derail us like it has in the past. And a lot of times, just simply putting that stuff on paper, having those conversations, making our players write those things down, is super super powerful at kind of bringing that to the forefront and starting to bring awareness to those situations that derail them and giving them the the tools to regroup, whether that's the breath, whether that's maybe like a little extra step out of the box. Um, Aaron Judge will pick up dirt and kind of throw it as as his form of like re, refocusing, locking yeah. back in, those types of things. You deal with AAA on down. How often do you have those conversations with guys? Because Jamie Carroll and I talked about this. You're dealing with minor leaguers, so in the back of their mind, if they don't play well or perform well, they are going to go home at some point. So how often do you have those conversations with guys, and how do you alleviate some of those fears for guys? Because, you know, again, at the college level, it's okay, I may be on the bench, but at the pro level, it's okay, my livelihood may get taken from me here. How do you handle those conversations with the guys? Like, okay, if, if they're on an 0 for 20 streak or – they're sitting on a 15 ERA, like, okay, I'm, I'm looking at that. How do you handle that with those guys? Yeah, it's a great question. It, it's it's hard, right? Because a lot of these guys that, like you said, that is their livelihood. And you can even, the same holds true to our Latin players that we're signing at the age of 16 that are trying to get promoted at our academy in the Dominican Republic. And it's either going back to, you know, what I came from or setting my family and friends up for life, pretty much. I think that it all comes down to what's the better alternative. So guys, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourselves and this, this happens a ton and it even happens in college baseball and youth baseball players get to the, get to a point where they're putting so much pressure on themselves to perform and they're so results focused and, um, and it takes the joy out of the game and it robs them of enjoying what I think is the best game in the world. Um, and so it, it, it goes back to, okay, do you honestly think that you feeling all this pressure and trying so, so hard is giving you the best chance to succeed and actually realize the dreams that you want? And I haven't had anyone say like, yes, I think that is, you know, the exactly. best thing for me, the best mindset. <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean it's easy to have, the right, sure. you know, to, to re- reframe that. But ultimately, and it goes back, like if you're not having fun, playing the game of baseball if you're not enjoying it um if you're not able to enjoy the small victories along the way you know a lot of those guys when you're putting a lot of pressure on themselves they'll you know they have a four for four day and they won't let them they're on okay now i gotta have four for four day tomorrow um make sure it's so important to make sure that you enjoy those little victories along the way or this game will absolutely wear you down 
And, and that's the beautiful thing of baseball. I think when when you finally see guys start to figure it out, they they truly embrace. I I hate using the word failure, and we we talk about failure so much, but they are just mini challenges, and and the game is trying to teach you something, and. It, it's so rewarding when you start to see players finally attack it that way that, you know what, there's going to be those bumps in the road and there's going to be those challenges. But you know what, that's that's actually the fun part of the game is trying to figure that part out and figure out what you need to do to, to get yourself to perform on a daily basis. And that's a beautiful thing with baseball to me. And and you did touch a little bit. Yeah. And Dave, we're, we're yep. still talking about, you know, pressure and, and, and players putting pressure on themselves. Do you have anything else to add on that part of it of players putting pressure on themselves? Yeah, I think a great example of this. I've been fortunate enough to throw batting practice to a handful of big leaguers in Nashville in the in the off seasons for the last few years. And one of the players that um, I've been able to work with was Chase Headley uh, in the past, who's now retired. But uh, he was with the Yankees a few years back, and I don't know if you guys remember, but he he had a really rough start to the year. I think he was he was the last everyday position player to get an extra base hit. Um, it, it went almost a month, I believe. Uh, Bartolo Colon had hit a home run during that span as a, in the New York Met. So, the, of course, the New York Papers had Bartolo one, Chase Headley zero, you know, on the headline then on, at some point. And he was telling me that it just it was eating him up. It was just absolutely crushing him. He was hearing about the media before game, hearing from the media after the game, and just completely robbed him of any joy of the game of baseball. And it became all about results. And when I was asking him kind of how he got out of that, um, he said their their mental skills coach helped him uh, set up a post game journal where he would just he would write three things that he did well that game, one thing that he wanted to improve upon at the end of each game. And I think there's there's a lot of value in getting our players to quote unquote put a bow on the game afterwards before they leave the ballpark and take all of that with them. Um, and so he started doing that he started writing down three things he did. Well, you know, I didn't get an extra base hit today, but I worked a walk. I moved a runner. I moved a runner over and I saved a run with that diving, diving play down the line yeah. at their base. And he said, once you start actually putting those things down on paper, it, I start seeing like, Hey, like I'm doing some good things. I'm still helping. I'm still finding ways to help my team win. And he said, I didn't, I didn't end up, you know, getting a hit the very next day, but I started sleeping better. I started feeling better about myself. I started relaxing more at the plate. And ultimately, he got out of it. And when you look at his numbers at the end of the year, they were on par with his career power numbers. He hit his home runs. He got his RBIs. And, and he, got, he got out of it. But I think it's really powerful to give, especially those players that are putting a lot of stress and pressure on them giving them an outlet post-game outlet or almost kind of like a end of the end of the game funnel to get back to neutral before they go you know be friends family members uh you know boyfriends and uh out into the real world yeah. one of the things i added in um at the tail end at western which i felt like helped is is on the post-game stuff is every guy had to talk about one thing that we did we did well and then one thing that we needed to improve on. And I would take notes off that to, to, to try to focus on the positives, but then it would line up practice that week because they see just as much as you do. They know what you need to work on, and, and it helped them stay away from too many negatives. But then it made practice that next week way more productive because they were answering those questions like, okay, what do we need to work on this week to get better? And it might have been after a win too. 
And that's where I think you could stay consistent with your performance, but also eliminate a lot of that negative thinking because just naturally you're going to think about the negatives more than the positives at time. No doubt. If you were going to implement some stuff, just some basic stuff for some youth players out there, youth coaches with some breathing stuff, how, how would you start with them training wise, breath wise to, to start to build that foundation for some youth players? Sure. Um, I think with, with, with everything, the more that we can do our teaching actually on the baseball field, I think there, there's definitely value in classroom conversations and, and talking, but a lot of times until you take that action onto the baseball field, that, that skill is not going to transfer to our players. So as simple as you know, during throwing program, make yep. okay today we're going to take a deep breath before every single throw exactly and and what you'll find is everyone has to find that happy medium right once you once you take that breath then you have to you still have to get external towards your target and you still have to uh you know commit to my plan of hitting my partner in the chest or having a specific target that i'm throwing throwing to in this in this scenario and what guys will do is they'll, they'll figure that out themselves. Like, okay, I spent too much. I didn't breath, and I didn't know where that thing was going. Now it's breath and then pick up my target and go and finding that balance. And then, you know, just encouraging guys to, um, you know, to experiment with it. Same thing is in the cage. I, I think baseball has an epidemic of taking mindless swings. Uh, <laughs> yes, you're correct. So, so <laughs> You know, if we can implement the, we're not going to, you know, our culture on this team is we're not going to take two mindless swings in a row or two bad swings in a row without stepping out and taking a deep breath before we get back, like, and recommitting to our plan. Well, if you talk not, about the funnel. That, I mean, that that's that's training with the funnel. You know, it, absolutely. That, that's training in the funnel is you're going to have those 15 seconds in between pitches or, you know, if you're facing the guy who's quick, it might be seven or eight seconds. But that's training in the funnel. And, and then that's where you get carryover into the game setting is because you are training in that funnel in your training portion of it. Absolutely. And you're teaching your players to have that awareness to self-correct. As much as we'd love exactly. to like go with them into the batter's box, that's not how this game works. For so sure. we need to put them in situations where they need to practice having that awareness. And yeah, it's going to take us reminding them um, sometimes, but ultimately if, if we're holding them accountable to that, it's going to, it's going to eventually be something that they, um, you know, skill that they develop on their own. And, and you and I have talked about being lifelong learners, you know, for coaches that are listening in, you know, how, what can you stress to them as far as being a lifelong learning, being okay with making changes? I'm 45 years old. I'm still making life changes, um, trying to better myself, you know, from a training standpoint or, or books that I read, you know, what can you can you mention to, to coaches out there that are listening in as far as being a lifelong learner? Yeah, I mean that's another reason why the ABCA is so great is you get to hear all these different perspectives and learn from from so many new people and I, I think that's how we develop in all aspects of life and coaching is no different. Um, continuing to just learn and and grow and interact with others and I mean I'm a pure testament of of that like even in the position that i'm in right now with the seattle mariners it wasn't something that was on my radar i was a average you know mid-major utility infielder and just the people that have really built into me over the years and the you know 
the interviews that I was able to do when I was running my next level ball player business and just getting around baseball people just continues to shape. And then you just try stuff as a coach. That's, that's part of it. And understanding that as coaches, we can, you know, we can try different things and, and continue to kind of move the needle with, you know, with our progression. And ultimately that's going to benefit our players and ourselves. Any, any books or podcasts that you would recommend you know, anybody that's looking to get into it um, and any podcast, it could be anything podcast wise, but book, if you're going to mention one or two books for them to get started on, on digging into some of the peak performance stuff that's out there, where would you send them? I would recommend the Michael Gervais podcast called Finding Mastery. Uh, great place to start. See, I'm, I'm learning something. <laughs> <laughs> would be the Pete Carroll interview he did on coaching. There's so many golden nuggets uh, baked into that interview. So Michael Gervais, that's a great, great podcast. And then the book that really got me started on baseball mental skills and had a massive impact on me personally, and I think continues to be super relevant is the mental game of baseball. Yep. So that would be a great place to start for any player or coach that wants to continue going in at heads up baseball, obviously is a classic as well. Yeah. Um, so mental game of baseball saved my career. I had uh, Dorfman's book saved my career in high school. I would not have probably been a college baseball player if I didn't read the mental game of baseball by Harvard Dorfman. It, it changed me in so many positive ways, allowed me to handle things way better. I, I've, I've said that for 22 years that it, it did. It saved my, my playing career, the mental aspects of baseball. I love that book. Now you, you, you're a, uh, yeah, you're a forward thinker. What about any morning or evening routines that, that you like? You know, you're you're long hours. You're at the field a long time. You know, pro ball, it's 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 every day. Um, you know, what routines are you using personally, either morning or evening to, to keep yourself going? Yeah, that's a good question. The biggest routine that I feel had a positive impact this past season with all the travel so i get we have seven minor league clubs and i bounce around to all of them during the season and it's easy to eat crappy and with the with you know combining that with with different sleep hours can be can be taxing on the body but i i started intermittent fasting yeah um, i think we probably could have a whole nother another rabbit hole with <laughs> that, sure. that one but but that but that has been a huge benefit just kind of taking the edge off of um you know, my, my health, health wise, um, that's been a really positive. When you talk about intermittent fasting, and I know there's different air, you know, some people fast for days. What are you using for intermittent fasting? Like when do you start eating? When do you stop? Um, are you doing it every day? Or are you taking days off when you're, when you're talking about intermittent fasting, what are the hours that, that you're limiting yourself to eating? Yeah. So first of all, I'm not, I'm not super strict. And obviously there's there there are times where you just need to be flexible or the game gets over at 11 p.m. and the coaches are going out to eat and we eat whatever the case may be. But ultimately, after my last eating of the day, um, I won't eat again for 16 hours. Okay, so you're stopping. You're using the your last meal as the, the stop. Yes. So in a perfect world, I would eat in an eight hour window and yeah. then fast for 16, 16 hours and then eat again. Um, but in reality, it doesn't always go like that, but I always 
try to have my next meal about 16 hours after the previous meal. Yeah, and and, and go ahead. No, that that's pretty much uh, the gist. And for anybody listening in, I'm I read the book. Well, I read a lot, but David Goggins, his first book that he was mentioned in, Jesse Eisens wrote it. The the month that Seal lived in my house, mm-hmm. and they referenced the book uh, Fit for Life in it. And so I had never read the book. It was written in the 80s and it's stuff that you don't hear about. But the things that I changed, uh, no eating after eight o'clock. So even during the season for a night game, I would pack snacks with me. And then after eight o'clock, I would stop. Um, And then when I started in the morning, it really didn't matter as much. I'm not as strict on the 16 hours. But the other thing they mentioned is, you know, not not mixing proteins and starches. And so that was the one thing that I did add in. It was... Anytime I eat a protein, I don't eat a starch. If I eat a starch, I'll eat vegetables with it. Uh, if I eat protein, it'll be with vegetables. And, and that's changed a little bit. I can see it in my midsection where, where a lot of the belly fat that I had went away. And then trying to, to only eat fruit up to a certain time during the, the morning um, where I won't have anything but fruit until about noon. Um, and again, I, I think people get into trouble with diets. You know, it needs to be a lifestyle change. It's, it's, I don't like the term diet either because I think people get a bad connotation with it. It basically is just a mm-hmm. lifestyle change. And I mean, do you feel better? I mean, do you feel better after you've done it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's been about seven months yep. uh, that I've been doing it. And it was all, I mean, I'll give Carson Vitale and Zach Livingston, two of our, our Mariners coaches, were the ones that encouraged me to do it. They've been doing it for a while. And, it was just a, a game changer. And I think coaches health, I think is a bit, is a big it's deal. Like the, the sketch, the schedule that, that we keep and the, and the late nights and it, it, it is not conducive to being healthy. It's not going to happen by accident. Exactly. So especially as we get older, putting, putting some things in place. And for me, it was intermittent fasting. That's been great. Um, you know, great, great help for me. Where I've noticed is my energy level as soon as I wake up. And and that's where I noticed the difference is when I wake up, I'm not sluggish anymore. You know, where in the past, if you have a huge meal or you you mix, like that's that's the thing where I've noticed is as soon as I wake up, like I'm ready to go. And and that's where I know it's been a positive change for me is because my energy level is great as soon as I get up in the mornings. Absolutely, man. All right. Well, you know, David, one last thing. Where can people find you if they want to get a hold of you? Uh, probably the best would be find me on Twitter. I just started a new, fairly new uh, Twitter handle, at Franco's Mindset, F-R-A-N-C-O-S Mindset. And we can interact on there. Feel free to fire off any any questions and we can uh, happy to, always happy to engage. Yeah, and I'm grateful for you coming on, and I'm looking forward to seeing you here uh, the first weekend in January. So have a great Christmas, and uh, look forward to seeing you. Awesome. Thanks, man. You too, Ryan. Yeah, thanks, David. Yeah. Bye. That was awesome. Thanks, so, man. Yeah, that was great. Uh, my my wife's gonna she's gonna she's gonna think it's really funny when I tell her we went on intermittent fasting. I, hey, uh, I love it. I'm glad you brought it up, and that's why I ask people their routines because. I don't think people know about it. Like it, it's kind of a new term, but it's been around for a while, but it, it, it's changed me too. Like in, in such a good way. Like I would never go back to not doing it now. Like I don't, I don't wait it out the 16 Same. hours, 
but the after, not eating after eight o'clock and it's hard with pro baseball. Like I, your guys schedule is crazy. Like, you know, talking to DJ and Wes Johnson, like yeah. they're getting done at three o'clock in the morning. So what do you like? You can't go that long without eating, you know, it's, but it, any sort of changes like that. And like, I'll go and through that. I think, I think the late twenties, thirties, like you get into it, kids like at you home, let yourself go. Sleeping. Yes, for sure. Yep. And, and it's hard. Like, it's just a stretch. The 28 time, like that, that's a tough age because you still don't know what the hell you're doing. You get done playing. And it's like, you don't really, I just didn't want to work out after I got done playing. Like you, you just, you get beat up yeah. training and like you just get beat up and it's and the motivation's not, at least yes. for me, like I just yep. want to, if I'm not doing something to compete, like it's yep. really hard for me to whatever. Exactly. Um, but just like anything else, like once you start getting momentum and with the, you know, then it just becomes way easier and just a part of, to your point earlier, which I think is great. Like it's a lifestyle. It's not a, not like a diet or like a yes. crash, like whatever. Like yes. this is something that I could, uh, I see myself doing for a really, really long time. Yeah. And that's why, ever. Yep, that's why New Year's resolutions don't work because people start something and then they get frustrated with it and then they quit where, no, this needs to be something that you you easily can mix in like every day. And yeah, it's not easy to start, but once you get that two week period out of the way, then it just starts rolling. But it, it still boils down to how you feel. Like if, if it makes people feel better, they'll do it. But it, it, it's the start that kills people. Uh, this episode was so much fun for me. I, I really feel like anybody can get something out of this episode, uh, baseball or otherwise. Uh, I've always been impressed with David's passion for the game of baseball and his willingness to give back. Uh, I, I love talking peak performance and lifestyle changes uh, w with everybody. And um, my journey is no different than your guys. Um, I, I'm evolving as well. And so I always learn some things. And I actually went and listened to that Mike Gervais podcast with Pete Carroll. Uh, and it's phenomenal. So Again, that's Finding Mastery. Michael Gervais, I would highly recommend looking up that episode uh, with Pete Carroll. And this is Ryan Brownlee signing off from the American Baseball Coaches Association office in Greensboro, North Carolina. And uh, remember to have a great day and leave it better for those behind you. Thanks.